0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We bring you the very best recorded panels, workshops, and seminars concerning role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible by the generous contributions of the panel speakers and double exposure with their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Episode 79 Agile Design. Recorded at Metatopia 2015. Presented by Rob Donahue and Emily Dresner.
1: See, Rob, well, I told you I came prepared. I've got whiteboard, right? I've got.
0: So coffee, so. I've got.
1: Sharpey, hopefully people come. If not, we will just sit here and goof off. I'm all for that. If, then you will listen to us goof off instead of telling you something practical. <laughs> well. The chances of goofing off are extremely high, especially since I don't think either of us are awake yet. You would like to know uh, all your index cards are still on that table in the back room? We just left. Okay. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm Catherine. Nice Where's to you? meet you. Chris. Nice to meet you, Rob. Hey, Rob. <laughs> How are you? I'm awake.
2: <laughs> you also did the math on the uh, the, the coffee container. Yeah. Right. Because it's very simple.
0: All right, <laughs> got two minutes. You, I, got, I mean, I are time. Yes. There we go. we yeah,
1: time. How was your lean coffee?
0: <coughs> well, we filled all four tables.
1: Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. That'll look crazy. Uh, So, what'd you do? Did you, like, break them groups eight or something? Give yeah, them topics roughly. to discuss? Uh, no,
0: well, they may come up with their own <laughs> topics, because okay. that's the way it works.
1: Okay. Um, Did you do the thing where everybody, like, writes a topic write on, on and it, and, and then votes. throws it, and yep. then do a dot vote, and yep. then discuss? Okay. Um, do I need... Should I write a Kanban thing on here, or? I don't think
0: we need one so much at the moment.
1: Okay. The, well, should we need... Yeah, if you end up
0: having the it then you are prepared.
1: <laughs> I am prepared. I'm also the one that can't draw.
0: I have no artistic skills, but by God, I can make a diagram.
2: You mind if I take a picture. I know.
1: I know they don't. Yeah. There we go. This is a post-it. There you go. Okay. Right. It's in the start line. Oh, it
3: already feels like work.
1: That's right. I got. I have five colors, right? Oh, yeah. Picked up from Staples. Good. So good. Well, we are probably use them real heavily tonight. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I
0: also may hit you up tomorrow morning because, by God, I've been ripping through my supply in the lean coffees. So.
1: Oh, yeah? Well, if you get me up tomorrow, I can, uh, so I couldn't get up this morning for some reason. Well, but, lean, uh, the
0: lean coffee starts an hour, an hour later tomorrow, yeah. so I'm very curious so that's going to show you.
1: All right. That. So I'll have to come and attend tomorrow in case you need someone to carry over to QDOTS go. and, and yep. yeah. we more people tomorrow. we are just to and
0: do another
1: on Shit. So, all right. This may be it. May oh, not be that many people This is
0: Saturday. Everything, it's Saturday, and people are. Sleeping. Everything before eleven is really an open question. So. Um,
1: so hi. Hi. Hey. Hello.
0: Uh. Welcome to Games as a Product. I forget what the formal title of this <laughs> is, but I'm pretty sure it involves both games and products. Um, and we should introduce just sell. uh You are free. If you want to just put that up here, you can. Oh, thank um, you. And in theory, that is they also are recording free. what's going on now, but I totally respect the desire to back it up because the speed at which they get online can be a little questionable.
1: Yeah. Thank um, you very much. Let me
0: slide it over here because I project and Emily certainly projects as well. So. Yes.
1: Do we want to introduce, Let ourselves? introduce ourselves? More of our professional personas instead yes, of our gaming personas? Our right? So most of us have multiple hats to hat. Yep. Uh, so my name. Uh-huh, so my name is Emily Dresner. In uh, real life, I spent a lot of time as an agile product owner. I am a, a system architect and a software engineering manager. Uh, I've been doing agile for about five years now, and 25 years, I've been shipping uh, a software product, uh, lots of which I have tried to move some of that over to the gaming realm. So, I have a very product oriented chip, all the things focus about uh, projects as I approach them. Also means I hit up my deadlines, which makes me a really good freelancer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Rob Donahue. On the game <laughs> side, I'm part of a publisher. I'm a co owner of Evil Hat. Uh, but on the day job side, I am a business analyst, slash project manager, slash scrum master, slash general spackle guy for making things go. Um, I am an agile enthusiast. Um, as evinced by the fact that the thing I just came away from was another uh, Agile inspired event um, and I like post-it notes a lot. Uh,
3: so I'm Catherine Hines. Um, I <coughs> am a long-time gamer, very new designer, um, but uh, also a product manager. Um, I work in Silicon Valley, I've kind of done a tour of tech companies, um, started at Facebook, now I'm at two startup, or I'm at uh, my second startup now. Um, yeah. Start up this month. Start up this month. So yeah, we can tell some more stories. Yeah. Uh, I um, I I say that I've never been in a purely agile environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there such a thing, really? And yeah, maybe not. I hear yeah. the games. Um, but but just lots and lots of uh, mixing of techniques, and and I think that a ton of it applies to games.
2: So. Uh, my name is Christopher Neal, and I am uh, on the game side. We're Ninth Level Games. We make. Uh, role games and card games, uh, Cobaltate My Baby and Trudiger's Cats are our current products. Uh, in the real world life, I'm a solution architect for a business consulting company and I work in IT service management software. Uh, one of the big things that we do is we actually implement project management solutions for people. Nice. Um, so, you're, is, is it a pure agile environment? I have yet to uh, build the software for that. Agile Scrum Falls, we've done a bunch of times. Uh, yeah. So, we do a bunch of, uh, you know, so I, I come from the other side of that, which is building the, le- less doing the Agile work and more building the software to help people do that. Mm-hmm. So.
0: so, this is a weird panel. Uh, <laughs> because this is a panel about designing a game that has nothing to do with designing a game, uh, at least in the sense that you usually mean it. Uh, we are, right now, we, do, we are going to talk about your game as a box. Um, because there are lots of people out there who, and people here at this convention who can tell you how to write good rules, who can tell you how to do a lot of things that will make your game a better game. We do not care if your game is a better game, but we would like your game to be a better product. Um, and... So we're, and in fairness, this is not something that is, is super polished from our perspective because this is a weird topic to discuss. Gaming is a weird kind of business. Um, some of the lessons that come out of other disciplines are applicable. Some of the lessons kind of aren't um, because this is a little, all a little Mickey Mouse. Um, but hopefully, uh, if you are looking at making a game, then we can either help you figure out the way to make that a product or help you figure out why you don't want to make it a product and maybe you want to do something else. Uh, And I'm happy to riff, so interrupt me because I I ramble like something crazy. So
1: so I think that we're going to start with just letting Rob ramble for a bit.
0: Rob, Um. what do you mean between a product and not a product? What a
1: fantastic (laughs) question. (laughs) Thank you.
0: All right. So by product... (laughs) I'm going to mean something that you are going to sell to somebody. You can give things away, and, th- and we should sidebar about that a little bit, because free is actually a very, very nuanced topic. But for the moment, let's say I want—I have an idea for a game, and I want to get from that idea to something that I am selling. I am going to have to start with, and Emily can totally con this if she wants. Um, yeah, I'm going okay. to start from moving <laughs> from this idea to actually... Creating a product. And then I'm going to and by product at this point we mean the text, the copy, the thing that we will do the work on. I then need to refine the product until such a point that it is able to be released in software versions. I basically need to do an alpha and a beta, and I need to revise on the beta until it's sufficiently polished that I then get a release candidate. And then I need to actually get that game into a producible form, and then I need to get that into the hands of people who will give me money. Um, so Practically, we are talking about creation and collaboration. <coughs> we are talking about refinement, uh, editing, play testing in the context of games. Um, we are talking about production, and we are talking about distribution. I think those hit the four big, big, yep. big ones. Yeah. Um, I'll let Emily scribble furiously. Um,
1: so, this is like my entire life, right? So we're probably going to talk about Kanban boards a lot. Right? I didn't really draw it out because usually the far right uh, column should be on fire. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, a rule. So uh, we're, we talk about kanban things up a lot. We found that uh, Kanban as an agile technique. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm going to step back. one. The reason she's doing all this. If none of you have, Does everyone here know what a Kanban board is? All
1: right. So let's so, talk about what a Kanban
0: board is. Would someone else like that? I was just
2: going to say, the yeah. easiest thing to fit is, has anyone watched Silicon Valley, the TV show? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it, it's, it's the best yeah. example yeah. of the <laughs> column board. Action. So, I mean, if you want to talk on the technical you guys yeah.
0: can. Short, short format is a technique that basically says you're going to have columns, <laughs> you're going to have post notes <laughs> that reflect <laughs> ideas, and you're going to move the post notes through the columns. If you are making a product, and one of the best things you can say, like, it's wonderful. to Say you've got a bug fix, a piece of software. It's like, oh, here's a here's a card. this represents the bug, and we have currently got the bug in our bug tracking system. And eventually, someone grabs it and we move it from the bug tracking system to the QA system, and the QA guys are now working on it. And the QA guys are done with it; it needs to be tested, so we move it to the testing <coughs> column, and testing happens. And then what testing is done, we move to the done column because everything's awesome and bugs never come
1: back. Um, so, uh, so have my lovely whiteboard here, which I'm just going to erase with my fingers, and I've been taking notes as Rob starts talking, because this is just how I function. Is that so? What Kanban Born is largely, and this is will be really helpful, and we can we can unpack this and dig this and, and dig into this, is that it's essentially just a flow from left to right of putting basically your stages into different columns to understand so where everything is at right now. I'm right. oh, sorry, this nice. is yeah. sorry. <laughs> they like know the, All right, so they do what Alright, no, no, so it's so it says my idea, my other idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um this is not how I would do a conboard. bond board. Uh I would break this up much finer and, and break this out. But basically I've built uh, Five columns here. If we want to start, Uh, so we'd start with like my. This is a post-it note. You can't read my writing because I can't write. I have really bad arthritis. But uh, so I just started with ideas. My game and my game, my other game, and then you could start saying, all right. So my game is currently in make, and my other game is an idea. And then maybe we would track that as my game is currently in alpha. Right, and it's currently being beat up by Fred Hicks at some poor table at Metatopia. And then uh, then you can start on my other game. But this is not really how, how we'd prop- we would break this up. We would break this up as, as different finer pieces of games. So this is just a real quick example. So
0: now we get to the, the nerdy business <laughs> thing. Let's step away from games. I have an idea for a thing. I want it to be a product First step is I need to get that from this collection of notes and this scribble on the back of a napkin to the first thing. And for that, I need an idea of what that means. I need a definition of done, if I want to be super pointy-haired about it. Um, so at this point, the, the, if, if this was a piece of software, <laughs> we'd have people sit down and start coding. If this was uh, a building, we'd have people start doing blueprints. it's a game or something to write, we people start writing. So at this point... How would we want to start bringing people in? How do we want to? How would we want to decide? We want to do this process. Um, maybe I can do this all myself, and if so, awesome. But what if I need other people? Um, how would you guys go about the team starting to create the team for this sort of thing? Uh,
3: in terms of team building. Yes. Uh, yes. Um Hard to do that completely abstracted from the yep. product, but um, so one, you'd need to think critically about your product and what's involved with it. Um, and then if you're thinking from, I'd say, the idea portion to trying, like, actually materializing that idea, um, you should look at your own skill set uh, and and see if you alone are the person that, that can execute on that. Um, and so I would say, uh, again, trying to think in the game context, going from idea to... Make. What is something that's made like uh, in in the product world? You would call that an MVP, right? Like a minimum viable product. Uh, that is really just something that encapsulates your idea that is like something you could bring to another person to at least have tested or shared. Uh, uh, um another bug. Uh, uh, I'm up here coughing.
1: <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, you're awesome.
3: <laughs> I think like the critical thing. Ha- have other people here heard? I heard the term MVP. That's a very uh, not okay. Just the I. Uh, I mean the idea behind it is just like don't don't do more than is necessary in order to test like the validity of your idea. Uh, I think that complexity is is the enemy here, and uh, injecting too much complexity against what is uh, meant to be like your golden you know nugget of of what is going to be like this piece of art and product that you've made. Um, is really important. And so the MVP is designed to define it really clearly um, so that you could bring it to test.
0: Should we tell them about the skateboard? Go. So <laughs> th- th- this is going to be a little more pointy haired terminology. Um, classically, Agile is held up in contrast to Waterfall, which is technically planning-based because Waterfall is the most... Uh, you do not care about this terminology. Um <laughs> water, steps, and yes. we know, like... This. Waterfall... Year, yeah. until exactly. Waterfall-based design it's is, I am going to make a goddamn plan, and I'm going to do it all out, and then we are going to do that work. And for certain types of work, that is an absolutely fantastic way to do it. I would like people building bridges that way because I want a lot of planning to go into building it. The problem is that's a lot of time a lot of effort, and if you misjudged something up here, it's going to be this far down and that much work done before you realize something went wrong. And if I had the staff and the resources to make sure that nothing went wrong up here, that would be awesome, but I would also be in a, a business much more profitable than gaming. <laughs> Agile is predicated on doing just enough work to be able to test it and see if it works and then go back, iterate, and improve. And when I say the skateboard, <laughs> um, there's a very classic agile illustration of if you want to build a car, um, then in the waterfall method, first you've got two sets of wheels, and the customer's unhappy, because what the hell am I going to do with two sets of wheels? And then two sets of wheels and an engine. <laughs> customer's still unhappy. Two sets of wheels, an engine, and a seat. <laughs> customer's still unhappy. And it's only after all the steps are done that there's finally a car, and the customer can get in and in their happy agile I need to build a car so the first thing I'm going to build is a skateboard because sure it's not everything the customer wants but they can still get around they can still move yes, yes. and then okay I built a skateboard <laughs> I'm going to build a scooter so then I'm going to build a bike then I'm going to build a motorcycle then I'm going to build a car I'm iterating and at each step along the way there's something that I can point to and say this works mm-hmm. and when she says MVP that the, the minimal part of minimum and viable are both kind of critical in that regard people argue about whether the P is product or prototype based upon how anal they are about yeah. these things um but the point being is that it is testable. So a minimum viable product, I would say the way to test that a minimally viable game is something that we could play. Yeah, um, that's a fairly straightforward yeah. test.
2: Yeah, and actually, it's a it's a mistake that a lot of uh, design teams, uh, it, it's a mistake made more by design individuals, right? I have a game, I'm thinking about it, and I have all these pieces, and I, I make some of the components, and then I, I I sit down and I explain the game to you. But it's yeah. okay? Well, let's play oh, it's, it's not there yet, right? Like, I can't show a game, I can't get any feedback, I can't work with anyone else if, if the game itself isn't playable. It doesn't have to be right, exactly. it doesn't have to be done, yeah.
0: but it has to be playable. Right, so, and as an example, let's say I start with, if, if, I've got a, if I want to make D&D, let's say I'm making D&D, it doesn't exist. I could start, and I could have this big outline, it's like, okay, there's going to be classes, and there's going to be monsters, and there's going to be these things, and I could slowly fill this in, or I could say, all right, let's start with a fight mechanic. I'm going to assume a fighter. You are playing a fighter. You don't mm-hmm. have anything here. This gives you these things. <laughs> and I have just enough rules for you to fight this orc. Mm. Let's, do <coughs> Let's do that. That is a minimum viable problem. Mm. Which then we can agree works or doesn't work. And we improve on it. She goes And she goes, hey, that's great. I really want to be able to cast spells at this orc. So I'm like, all right, the next feature we're going to add? Wizards. Um, and we expand that until, and since at every step along the way we've actually played the game, yeah. we know we've got something that works at every step along the way. What's what's actually really funny
2: is if you read the history of the of, of Dungeons & Dragons, it was done that way yep, by um. accident. Right? <laughs> they were like, Oh, we have these rules. We have a war game. It's like, how can we introduce a sneaky guy into our game? Oh, thief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then even we you know, when they started doing the first set of, of of manuals, the little white books, each one was there was a feedback piece that came in. Yep. They found something out. And a lot of times they were they were literally bugs, right? Like it was just like, oh, this thing is uh uh, it doesn't work when these things oh well, we got a patch for that yep. we call it the assassin right you know and then it goes through that cycle
0: right and this is where I'm revealing that there's a little bit of sleight of hand going on with this board yep. because when I was saying we're going from an idea to, a, to making a thing a lot of you were probably imagining kind of a big thing but I'm really saying no go to like the first little thing you can make <laughs> and start building on that um, and you can do it very fast, because here's the joy of the, the world we live in, as opposed to the world Gygax lived in. Getting that feedback is so much faster to do now than by letter writing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: I, yeah, I'm trying to imagine what that would be like, to be able to, to put, to create a game design, put it out in some stapled mimeograph thing that gets mailed out, Let's and do that. three months later, some guy...
3: I want
2: to play that game.
3: I know. <laughs> So,
1: I'm going to add. Have prototype? Key yep. So, just, just to close this off, I want to add two things. What we're really trying to get at is something that's called mitigation of risk. So, uh, when you're dealing with. So, so, a lot of times, right, I've been working, been freelancing for what? Since 1990 Too long. Too long. something. Uh, a long time. And we used to. From back when Pokemon was cool. Yeah, back when Pokemon was cool. Pokemon's so cool. Pokemon yeah, so so cool. My, that's what my six year old. six um, <laughs> year old's correct. So, no, so. Oh, that's so, back in the day, the way that we actually did it is that we basically handed out these freelance assignments and said, here, go write this big chunk of system and then come back and an editor's just going to kind of cobble it all together. And if you remember from the '90s, a lot of our games sucked, <laughs> and that's because we had absolutely no idea. Like I worked on uh, Vampire Inquisitor. Did I write that? The
0: splats yes, for that, that was
1: some bullshit. Yep. Um, and we had wrote all splats for this game, right? So all these character classes. I, I to this day, I have absolutely no idea if those character classes are playable. I don't know because we didn't actually play them. We just wrote them and then we gave them to editor and they cobbled them together and they shipped them. Right? So that there was like, they claimed there was playtesting and there was play, there was a big block of playtesters in that book. I don't know who these people were. Uh, but I wrote a whole bunch of character classes and apparently they were good because they were all in the book and they had a naked nun as an artwork next to them. So what we're really talking about is, you know, so mitigation of risk. So you are getting a feedback of continuous information. We don't want to say, here we're going to start at the beginning and then we're going to deliver this beautiful artwork product at the end, right? What we want is something that's playable, something that's fun, something that's well-tested, something that we have complete 100% confidence in. When it goes to even to come to Metatopia, we already know the state of the product, and this is sort of what these techniques give you. Uh, so that's why I'm talking about mitigation of risk. The more that you iterate on small pieces and build on big pieces, the lower your risk is, and the higher the quality of your game is over time. And your game, at, by the time you get to this stage, when you're presenting it to, you know, the local goofballs, then you know for sure that your game is going to be playable and fun before you ever have a beta tester come to your table, because you've already played it 50 times, and you know exactly how these systems work, and you know where all your strengths and weaknesses are. And, th- and this is where we're going <laughs> to
0: shift over into uh, using some business terminology, because life makes a little easy, is a little easier. We, as, as gamers, we hand-wring about playtesting, because playtesting is really important, but we also have a vision of play testing, which is that we have handed someone pretty much a complete-ish document, and they're going to put it through the paces and give us feedback. And that's great, but if that was your method of product testing user experience, yeah, good luck. You'd be burning money. Um, business has figured out other ways to deal with this uh, without needing to finish making the product and then giving the customer a month to play with it and then give us the feedback that they feel <laughs> like giving us. Um, and I will totally cop that user testing is, is something I let other people do. Because <laughs> it's awful. Yes. Uh,
3: it's usually very humbling, I think is what it comes I, down soul,
0: to. Soul crushing.
2: That's soul the crushing,
3: like. yeah. But like, uh, yeah, so I guess riffing off of yeah. just user testing and user research, it's like, I mean, obviously prototyping is, is something that's very, uh, prototyping and playtesting is something that's very important to game design. But it uh, the earlier the better, I think. Like yep. once you have that MVP, um, getting the check-in points uh, with, with players and people who aren't yourself um, will have a very, very definite uh, effect uh, on both your product and your game. Um, I would say uh, the, the thing that I keep in mind, at least with, with product, when I'm presenting it to other people, is just, um, one, like even before showing it to someone else, I try and understand like, who, what a pro- who a product is meant to be great for, um, like you know there's going to be a lot of people who play your game but there's someone who should like this game should really speak to um, and just have that person in mind like uh, there's a technique in, in in product management that we call and design in general just called personas um, the idea is just to like understand an archetype of who your user is so it's like if you're building a DD game like there's an archetype of who you think this is, this is really meant to be great for um, maybe if you're doing like a story game this is essentially a different archetype and just um Intimately understanding who that is and then and then also questioning that like do you yeah. want to pigeonhole yourself that way? Yeah. Um, and I think the answer is you don't and so then you should look at your product critically and see what is lacking um, For other people um, and then if you've really laid out who the people um, Who these archetypes are bring them to these people like if your game is meant for kids like obviously play it with kids um, That's it's a very
2: for- important idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I- I'm, I, apparently, I'm going to be media reference guy. So, uh, who's seen Project Runway? Nobody, right? There, there we go. So at least some people. Uh, that's another great example of if you're looking at who is your target, right? Because they can show five different dresses, right? And it could all be the exact same dress. But the first question is, is, who is that girl? Why? Who? Why does she want to wear that? Those clothes? Because that makes a big difference in whether or not that's a successful outfit, right? And you have to watch that project and. You know, from, you know, breaking down the the piece, there's a great piece in the middle where Tim Gunn comes in, and he says, you know, why are you making these decisions? Who is this person? Why does she want this? Can you defend that, And from a a playtesting and prototyping perspective, you have to know who is going to play your game, because the answer is not everyone. Yep. It's not even a. It's not even a large percentage.
0: <laughs> you don't jokes. want everyone. You don't want because that that game is terrible.
3: Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. So the, the game
0: for terrible is the crappiest game. The game for everyone is the crappiest game. Yeah. Right. So
2: the game that's for it's for a specific person. That's going to be super excited about it, and then the people around that type are going to like it, right? And then if you're really lucky, the people around those people are willing to buy it, right? That's the pyramid. Yep. Willing to buy, like to play it, love it, and will it. You're the best. Right. Uh, but without those questions, you don't know how to answer the question of, why did I do this? What is that for? And if you're talking about uh, QA steps, uh, you know, a really good thing in the business world is to say, okay, we have this, uh, either a requirement, a story, whatever the piece is that is, this is that thing that we're going to test. And then if it passes, I as the person, so put yourself in that persona of who that target is. and say in a sentence what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So in our D&D example, it's I need to, I want to kill orcs, right? Well, can I kill orcs, right? So I'm playing the game, can I kill orcs? Uh, no, I can't, because the orcs are more powerful than me. Oh, we have to go back and we have to make some things so that I have other options, right? And then find out what's blocking that pathway because that is a great way to pinpoint where you should be spending your time when you go back.
0: And that, and that very much illustrates that, we, again, playtesting is not going to be one giant thing Um, There is a point where, yes, having a fairly complete copy of your product and putting it in people's hands and putting it in other groups and having them run it and having test that is super valuable feedback. But there is testing you can do before you get to that point. But it is testing that you need to know what questions you're trying to answer. Handing someone a product or even just saying, here's a fight scene, run it, anything like that, if you don't know what questions you're trying to answer, then it is going to be total luck whether or not the feedback you get is going to help you
2: the blind play test at the end of the game product cycle is really about testing your rules transmission. It shouldn't be for testing the game, right? (coughs) Because the game, you should know 100% that the game works. It's just, have we given you the, the direction so that you don't need me to play my game?
0: Yeah, I want to highlight and circle that point. That that one—that's that's super. Cute. In
2: the in the business world, you know, that's the, the UAT, the user acceptance testing, at the very end, right? Um, you know, so we're talking about this testing that's in process, and from an agile perspective, it's always going on, right? Um, so you're putting a team—even if you're putting a team together—there's somebody that should be watching, you know, what's going on in all these iterative testing. But when we get to the end, there has to be a testing step that should be not those people that have a set up, these are the criteria that we're going to do. And in gaming, we usually call that blind play testing. At, at the end of it, I, I can hand it off to them with a very clear set. This is what it should do. Go see if it works in the real world before we send it out. Because once we send it out, we're done. You can't fix it. We're not the video game industry. We can't patch.
0: You can yes. do...
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah but here is some errata <laughs> no, it's, it's <laughs> no, and
0: I'm going to point to this uh if folks look uh the d and d five e they've released their errata it's a page um, and this is a huge contrast to a lot of things in the past yeah um, there there is no shame in a little bit of clean errata because typos can always get through things can always be but Boy, if you've got a game that's going to require 50 pages of errata in six months, you dropped a ball. Right. Mm-hmm. Or subsystem,
2: like, oh, then those subsystems don't work. Yep. Know. To Emily's point, like, yeah. no one ever playtested it, so we have no
0: idea. <laughs> we have no idea. I was going
2: to point out, though, that it's because
0: they're not trying to, they're not addressing the mechanics of the errata. Sure. They're always addressing the intent, just to clarify. Language, Which is, the but that's good. Um, it, it, they, they have a better understanding of what their product is with 5e than pretty much anything else to date. Uh, because that's what it was. Th- 3e was still very, still had a lot of ideals. 4e was much more productized and 5 is full business. And I'm thumbs up on that.
1: It's a pretty clean product.
0: But, uh, so, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, other, the flip side of this. How, are you, how can you tell when to stop?
1: Um, that's always a good question can too. You tell me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah.
0: and that's it, because and that's, you can. There's no one answer. but Literally, iterate. We're talking about, this, we're about testing. We're talking yeah. about putting things in front of people, and we're gamers. We're optimistic. We are. We have a tendency to look at all of this stuff as, oh, well, problems are just things going to slow us down, and we can still keep moving forward, right? No problem. Sometimes the answer is this is not something I need to make a product out of, and and let's step back and talk about why that is the case. It's going to cost you money is going to cost you time. This whole process, this is, even if you are just doing it yourself, your time is worth money. I I don't care who you are, your time is valuable. And you may choose to spend it in this fashion, but don't ever think of that as free. Um, And you need to, at some point you need to say, this is going to cost me this much to make it a product versus just releasing it free put it out online whatever and okay not care. I, here and this is a sad reality the bar is lower for if you just want to release a pdf online um and it shouldn't be it would be awesome if every pdf that came out was put through the same rigor uh but it won't be because the when the bar is lower than the the need to test things whereas in contrast if i'm going to put several thousand dollars into printing this thing it needs to be good enough that i get that money back uh, where's the PDF? Oh, you know what? I have clip arts of half naked ladies. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. Um, so. so, there is an interesting um,
2: piece where it says this is especially, especially it depends on the type of game, right? Like, so this is definitely less true um, in, in, in the board game world, but it's kind of true in the card game world and definitely in the role playing world, where you can you can have a half product, right? So yep. you can have a working product that from your perspective isn't completely done right but that i'm willing to give for free or very low cost just to cover costs yep. into the marketplace with the expectation it's kind of like in the video game world they would call it early release or you know yeah. 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 Early, yeah. Access. Yeah. early access yeah. Yeah. right
1: steam um, green light
2: right we'd love you guys to try it you know we hope you and enjoy it, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a be great. um you know and, and part of that is you know if you're gonna do that, you need to be open to the feedback that you're gonna get, because otherwise, why do that, yep. right? Um, which can be very difficult. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about this from the business side. One of the nice things about, um, if you're doing this work on the business side, right, is you can make a very clear decision. You're like, no one is really, really, really excited when I come to them and say, hey, I'm here to help you build your IT service management solution, right? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, it's gonna be the best. <laughs> <laughs> Your problem management system is so good, so excited. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so because of that, um, you know, uh, you, you can put direct dollars to time, right? You can say, well, we have to end this. And we're willing to accept some of these things don't work, right? Or these some of these things aren't great because it's just, a, you know, uh, it's just a risk calculation. I don't need it, I don't want to pay for it, yep. right? Um, and that's how a lot of these Agile ideas got pushed into, into the real world of business. Because in the past, you had to say, oh, it's gonna cost us $100 million, right? And we're not gonna know if it works until the end of $100 million. Now we can say, it's gonna cost you $100 million if we do everything the best way, but you can decide at 10 million and 20 million and 30 million that this is enough. Maybe we don't need that. Hey, you know what? Let's change the focus in the direction. And you can do that some with games, but usually, you know, especially if you're the artist, it's like, this is the game, this is the thing that I'm making. You can only see this end point, and you only really want this end point. Um, So that idea of where do you stop, right? Because if we get to choose, we're never going to be done. I don't know a single game designer except yep. when you're like never <coughs> want to see that game again. Yeah. This. <laughs> this is trash. I want to burn it. <laughs> don't,
3: oh. I'm riffing on that idea. I think that uh, what that makes me think of is just being really crisp about um, like what you're measuring yourself by in the end. Uh, like your and so metrics—that's yep. what we would call those, like uh, in the business world. But like, so if this is meant to be like a viable business for you at the end of this, like you're going to want to make hold hard cash, right? And so, and then your end point is when you think that this is marketable um, to your target audience and that you're going to be able to, uh, like, turn a profit from it. If it's, and then before that, like, I I think going back to even talking about different stages, I think you should really track what your success goal is at at every single stage that you're testing. So, like, maybe for Playtest 1, your goal is for people just to have fun. And yeah, that's a very kind of loose term. Maybe it's to test the work orc mechanic and make sure that it works And need 35 an, units of
0: fun <laughs> 35 <laughs> units of <laughs> fun and then we can move forward but,
3: and we can have an advancement <laughs> but, you know, but she's
0: she's so <laughs> spot on that if, if you if you know why you want to do this then you can decide if you face it your film because if your criteria is I'm a business and I need to make something that will sell that produces one set of decisions if you are I love this property and I want this property to have a game then that is your success criteria. Maybe you lose money on it. And you need to decide where those trade-offs are, but that is your your test criteria. I, I just want the cachet of having been published. That exists. Then you get a game book out and you've been published. Hooray. Life is life is good for you. I have this idea that I just want to make sure that's out that that gets out there. Then That's sort of like the, well, do you even need a product? Or do you just need a blog post that you can point people at? Well, maybe you want a product so it looks more But Again, each of these things has very different success criteria. And that's important because, again, we're still talking about that specter of cost lingering lingering over your shoulder. If your success criteria are just getting it out there... Uh, spending the money on getting it printed and and getting a huge art layout for it and whatnot is probably not going to be a trade unless you've got money to burn. In which case, I have consulting okay. services. At home. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: got money to burn. I got all kinds of stuff. We yeah. just but, of so you I want to f- money w- because because I'm always
3: <laughs> <laughs> all of us is burning money.
1: <laughs> Because I'm always the negative person on any place that I go. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on that's very important in all of this process to understand is the concept of failure. So uh, failure, especially in game design, is, is so where I come from in the 90s, right, so this strange place called the 90s, uh, failure was, was not an option, right? You wrote some game, and you put it out, and it, and and it was going to get published. It was going to get published in two cares, right? <laughs> yeah. We're <laughs> nah, like, or, already
0: paid for sure, it. We're well, <laughs>
1: yeah. we'll go in the bucket,
0: and the bucket <laughs> will get shipped.
1: <laughs> That's right. So... Uh, but what what's really important to understand now is that as we're focused on fun and we're focused on playability and we're focused on acceptability and what you, who your audience is and who's going to accept it, that we also have to come to terms with the fact that our first couple attempts at this is totally and utterly going to fail. It's just we're going to write something, we're going to give it to a bunch of gamers, they're going to look at it, and they're going to rip you to pieces and get up and walk away. And I think there's another panel that's here at Metatopia about taking criticism. You should go to that one probably. <laughs> it's it's no. super yes. useful. Um, <laughs> oh, it's yesterday. Schedule. All right, oh, I I schedule. All right. I don't pay attention to anything. She, she said that that's
2: the <laughs> <person. Yeah>, <laughs> has to wait like
1: 25 <laughs> yeah, I wait, it's, wait, it's, wait. it's
2: yesterday at 10.
1: Um... But what's really important about doing this process when you're taking the combat, right? You're taking it to make, and you're taking it to alpha. Is the fact that if you go ahead and you put it in front of an alpha group, and it completely falls on its face, right? You haven't gone and invested three and a half years of your life trying to develop this combat system that you've decided is the greatest edifice ever. Now you're going to show it to your hero, and they're going to tell you, "Yeah, this sucks." Right? All you've invested is maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple months of your time and your money, and even with your I'm talking about time online using Google Docs that you went back and forth. Or if you were using version control, it's in Git and Markdown or something. And then you are going and you're handing it out. You're giving it to people. You're testing it. And if it totally doesn't work, it, 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 that's fine. And But one of the things that you learn through this process as you fail is maybe you aren't very good at doing the rules. Because you keep iterating, giving people the rules, and then that gives you information and data that you need to go to operate, which is to find somebody on story games or an RPG net who knows how to do rules and partner with them so that you can start building the product. So you start getting this information back. So if your big dream is to have a product that's sitting over on that shelf, over uh, you know, over outside of the game room, uh, that everybody can go and pick through, then you have the information that you know where your strengths and weaknesses are in both your game and yourself, and you have that information available to you. And if you have that information available to you, it becomes actionable. And if you can actionable on it, then you can actually do something about it. If you do something about it, you can push the ball down the road. And you'll never know that information if you don't start basically iterating and accepting the fact that you will fail. And you'll very fast. So we call it fail-fast. Uh, go, you fail fast, it's all right, you just move on and you take all the changes and you keep going and we iterate on it until we get something that's and, possible. And
0: this I'm going to point to, you. Kickstarter <laughs> is very popular these days for a good reason. Kickstarter is a fantastic way to find out if your idea is not going to fly. Sure. Uh, and if you go into it with that expectation, because here, here's the rub: there, there are a lot of Kickstarter strategies for how you set your price. One of them is often set the price really low so that you'll hit it. And people get excited and get into stretch goals, and do all don't those things. Do that. Don't, for the love of God, don't. Figure out what you need the value to actually be at and set it there. If there is not enough interest to hit that, then there's probably not enough interest to sell it, and you need to reconsider what you're doing. And that's harsh, and that's mean, and I'm uh, and I'm very sorry it, to say it about your darling. It is full truth, but
2: preach, brother. It will yeah. save you pain. <laughs> no. To Emily's point about failing fast, the, one of the cool things about gaming is, one is what, what of the some, sometimes we got back to. So let's go. Sorry, you have to know where you're going, right? You have to. I have this idea of where you're going, right? And if you fail on the way there, right, you do want to fail fast if your idea itself is not viable right? Which is very common um, in brand new role playing games and lots of board card games. I have this idea for this game. Oh, that's not fun, yep. right? Or I have this idea for this role-playing piece, but it's like
0: it's not. There's not enough. Or, right? There's no market for that. Or there's no right. Uh, I, Nobody cares about Venetian marriage games. I do.
1: Like, oh, I play that well, <laughs> yes, that's um,
0: what, but, but that's how you go
1: and find out, sorry. right?
0: Yep. You. But, but the,
2: mar- <laughs> the market for all those games are the people that are at this convention right? <laughs> it's one of those weird things. Yep. We're not the right argument.
0: Yeah, watch for, your, watch for confirmation bias. Yes, we, yes. Uh, the gaming industry is very given to that.
2: Um, but if if you can fail on a game, one of the nice things is, is each experience of that failure is pushing you forward as a designer because you are gaining skills through that process, and hopefully you are gaining a library of toys, right? Yep. Um, I, I design games until they're not cool or fun to me anymore, and then I put all the pieces in a box, and I go back to that box the all drawer. the time. Yep. Right? And, and then it's like, oh, hey, remember that game from, like, Blah Blah, and then I took that thing from that other game that had the magma, and it's like, bang, all of a sudden I got a winning thing. Right? You know? It's, uh, uh, so, if you can fail, you know, you have to be able to say, you know what, I, we can't do the like, same We're done. But doesn't mean that that time was wasted. Right, and the okay. faster you can get to that point,
0: the the less cost it is to you. Know, yeah, and again, uh, for the brief anecdote, Evil Hat, uh, while we're doing just fine as a fairly traditional publisher, day, our very first product was "Don't Rest Your Head," was printed via Lulu, print on demand. Uh, our total budget outlay for that was about a hundred bucks for some clip art, um, and the reason we did that is because literally we. Evil Hat started as a production. Fred and I had sort of made fate and done this, and we just released it online because we were part of the Fudge community, and that's what you do at that time, and it was great. Uh, but then Jim Butcher, who was a friend of Fred's and indirectly a friend of mine, said, Hey... Would you guys like to be the one to make a role-playing game about my books? And we're like, yes, we would. And we have no idea how to do that. Mm-hmm. So we took that path of briskly. We would like, all right, we've got a little game that we're going to release by print-on-demand. All right, then we're going to do Spirit of the Century. We're going to make all of our mistakes doing Spirit of the Century so that when we get to this big thing which we have been trusted with, we have gotten those out of our system. Um, so figure out where your mistakes are going to go they're going to happen and if your plan is predicated on nothing going wrong your plan has already gone wrong
1: <laughs> um, and always remember that your first product probably isn't going to be your best product yeah. go ahead
3: I just had a comment, <laughs> not really a
2: question yeah. but uh, at the last game company I worked for I uh, worked very closely with the art director mm-hmm. one of the things that he told me that stuck with me a lot that he learned was he said you got to be able to do something and it could be like your masterpiece, and especially if you think it's your masterpiece, and you got to be able to take that and tear it in half and just yep. rip it up. You have to be able to be able to do that with, with what you're doing, and then just start over because you may think it's a masterpiece, but it may not be. And you need to be able to just break that down and then you know start over yep. or just you know redo it and keep this part that you thought
0: worked but add it. And you're exactly. The shorthand for that is kill your darlings. Kill your darlings. Yep. Yeah. And this is where, and I'm, gonna, and this is an important thing, this is why we, we are talking about making a product. If you want to make art, art the fuck out of it. Right. Uh, it's, if there is just something that is, the, the reason you are making this is to have made a thing and released it into the world, yeah. then we'll give you some advice for how you're not burning your money away, but if that is your end state, if your end state is that beautiful, magical thing that's been created and it does not matter to you that nobody ever plays it, <coughs> do it. Mm-hmm. Just own it be aware that that's what you're doing. Don't expect that just because you think this is magical and brilliant everyone else will recognize that.
2: Um, the uh, to, to the point there, one of the things that you're seeing a lot in the industry right now is uh, micro and nano games. You know, we can we can nerd out on terms of that all day, but um, one of the reasons for that is, is because it is the way that you can do all of this work through all of these pieces in a much collapsed time frame. But all of those games require them to be super tight, right? So, but you can actually test every little piece of it. Whereas, you know, if you're, if you're designing a uh, you know, a board game that takes four hours or a role-playing game that's designed to run long campaigns, the testing for that can take a huge amount of time because there's yep. so many moving pieces. If I have a game that has five components and there's two action lines, know, you're talking about uh, yep. the um, Venetian marriage game, um, there's a game called Council of Verona. Which is a, a fun, um, you know, deception game, and then there's a five card game that was like a little rider about it, right? That is just to a hair's breadth. You could see that it was testing pieces that were of that other game. It was like, let's get this mechanic together. Of you know, I have one or two roll options, and I'm just going to mess with your head, right? And you could see that it's a really nice way, and that's why there's a lot of activity. So to Rob's point, if your end goal is a really neat. I really, I, as a person, I want to have this game, I want it to be published, I want this artifact, I want to be able to say that. That's a really good goal that doesn't cost, right? It's the board game, and card game equivalent of print-on-demand, right? It's the, it's the Lulu and the, yep. the, the drive-thru stuff. So.
3: Yeah, and I, I guess working on that, what that makes me also think about and also like talking about the investment going into it is just your time again <coughs> and then actually budgeting your time at each of these steps. Um, like executing against a goal is really hard, right? And I think that a lot of product management techniques um, can actually really help there. Yes. Um And so by that, I mean um, holding yourself accountable to deadlines, which sounds super obvious, but obviously is really hard to do in practice, um, and doing that at every stage of development. Um, so cons are really good for that, or just yes. even having a regular playtest group that you can know you can bring something to um, that can get whatever you're working on uh, up to a point of Testability, um, so that you can know like, that you're putting in the right amount of effort uh, for what, what you're presenting and what you're getting feedback on. Because, yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> no. So do you use time boxing sort of in that idea? Of like that would totally fall in that or, yeah, category. Sort of? yeah. um,
0: so timeboxing for folks saying is basically, I have, this, is, this is a technique for dealing with a problem that you're not sure how long it's going to take. Um, uh, this, I need to solve this thing and it's big and fizzy and whatnot. So instead of saying I'm going to do this and leave it as an open ended thing, I'm going to say I'm going to work on this for four hours. And at the end of four hours, if I don't have any sense of what the hell is going on, I need to make a decision of okay, am I going to allocate another four hours later or am I going to say the problem is different than I think it is and I'm going to have to change direction? Um, time boxing is a fantastic way to turn big, messy problems into discrete, addressable ones. Uh, it, and, but uh, I, I'm going to underscore the, the give yourself deadlines thing so hard because having constraints to working, I mean, we've all done that. Ha- who, who hasn't had the explosion of creativity the six hours before a deadline? Um, it, it makes us work. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, Scrum, which is one of the types of Agile, has is something called the showcase, which is after a unit of work, you show everyone else in the team and potentially in the company what you've, what you've been doing and it's a thing and they can look at it and they can see you use it and they can ask you questions and that is an amazing incentive to actually do some goddamn work um, and cons can serve a very similar purpose a lot of, for a lot of people if you have and I'm going to tell you this do this for your testing but not for your publishing um, pushing yourself so you have something playable at Origins or Metatopia or whatever is going to be incredibly valuable creatively Pushing yourself so you are rushing to get a product out the door so it's on shelves by Gen Con or Origins or whatnot is an invitation to disaster. Almost every publishing story I know that has gone wrong has been because of that.
1: Because you want the final product. So you've spent all this time making your rules as solid as possible. And one thing I'm going to add is a little bit of some of my personal bias, which is please don't be – please leave your, your setting and your flavor text to the end, right? What we really care about is that your game is fun. Uh, so, all right, some personal bias, over. Uh, but what you want at the end of it, if you really are going to publish this thing that you have now spent the last two years playtesting every step of the way, what presentation matters. And it matters a lot. And once you have, you have this game, you know it's good, you know it's solid, and the last thing you want is it to just look bad when it lands on the page. So just to Rob's point... When you actually are putting the final polished product together that you're going to have for sale, if you're trying to say, oh, but it has to be there by Gen Con, either roadmap it out every step of the way with padded time of an artist is going to be late, or layout is going to be late, or a is going to be late, yep. that... <laughs> Assume disaster in the actual physical publishing pro- process. You will save yourself so much heartbreak if you're just totally negative about the whole process. And, and yep. <laughs> but, it's so, but it's so true. I right? I wish that wasn't true. <laughs> I wish it wasn't true, but it is. It is right? so true, right? So so just just assume the worst and hope for the best. And and but I think that give. Especially if you're like, people will buy your book whenever it comes out online, right? Seriously. If it's good and it's got buzz or it's being done on a Kickstarter or whatever, I, they, will, they will, they don't care if it's at Gen Con. Most of your audience probably isn't even at Gen Con. Yeah. What you want is something that looks good on a shelf that presents and says, man, th- these people are polished professionals and they know what they're doing. This is a great game and I and want to sell it to my so, friends. So,
0: here's, here's the great cautionary tale. <laughs> Secrets of Zoran. Secrets of Zeran was a Actually very good, very well Timed game. It was Released uh, late in the 3-5 Cycle when there was A lot of interest in other things. It hit Steampunk notes very early It hit a lot of the Final Fantasy Kind of flavor stuff. It was a very well Constructed game that took many structural Notes from White Wolf stuff um, and it had zeppelins and airships back when they were still cool. Um, it was <laughs> a game. Cool. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But it was a game that was perfectly designed to hit the market at exactly the right mm-hmm. moment. And it failed horribly because they did not get a proof. And three chapter, it, it's, it, it's a 90s, late 90s, early early 2000 book. So it's got that sort of like faint picture behind the, behind the text kind of thing going on. And the Secrets was around, they did not get proofs and check what that ink looked like. And as it turns out, the silver ink they used was not as transparent as they thought. <laughs> um, and in printing, it meant that three chapters of the book were utterly unreadable. Oh. Yep. So the big publishers oh, can made
2: that mistake. Mace yes. The Awakening. I can't yeah. read it. Yes. It's, 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 it's gold text on sepia. But that's because you are not enlightened.
0: Right.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but we can talk later. Well, and, but, but major was merely bad. With this, it literally rendered what was a very good, very clever game with a lot going for it into an utterly unusable book, and it it was a huge shame, and it was because they skipped a step to get things
1: out the door. The, the production process, right? So you're done, we can talk. Production's a dot on here. Huzzah. All right. <laughs> the, uh, I wrote it down in the beginning. Yeah. It's on our list. Uh, the production process is where you actually want to take all you basically want to take all your time and want to make sure everything's correct you assume that your game is good right the text is good the product is good everything about it is good the inside is good but you want to spend the time making sure that your art is the right art or your ink is the right ink or this printing process is the right printing if you have not
0: printed before (laughs) take the extra time to learn to talk to people things do not look the same on the page as they do on the screen And you can never rely on the fact that the file you sent looked awesome translating into the book you're going to get back being anything like what you expected.
1: And that six months you eat is not, you're thinking, oh my God, it's taking me an extra six months to get out the door. This is terrible, right? I really want to get this out. That six extra six months that you take is probably going to save you so much heartbreak down the the line. That it's, you're, it's just worth it to take the time doing the production process and there making is, sure it's meticulously planned.
2: There's a thing about the production <laughs> process to bring back this, you know, doing this as a business, right? On the, everything before the physical manufacture of a book or a game in our industry is done primarily by enthusiasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when you hit that line... <coughs> you are now in the hard fast world of real businesses whose purpose and job is only to make money yep. they don't care about your game right, they shouldn't right, so if you're going to get, you know, if you're going to a print on demand place or you're going to lightning or you're going to a full offset piece, they expect that you are a professional and that you know what you're doing and that you're giving them professional level files and they're going to send you a proof they didn't look at it they don't, they don't care. Up, right? The, the, no one at the, the Kentucky factory that printed my book picked up a copy of Cobalt's Day, My Baby and looked through it. If they did, they were horrified. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 actually, that's not true. I, I, I worked as a printer for a long time. They, do, they, they will look at one copy. Well, yeah, you I mean, they, 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 to, they will To, do to make sure their print, machine right, did it. right. They will do quality, but nobody's going to read the book. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't care, to you know, to point. Like, exactly. if the third chapter is un. un, un right. uh, that's not the, the look for, yeah, the look right. for flip yep. signatures. Right. Yeah, they, like they're like just like,
0: it's not upside down, and the ink is about what it was supposed to be. Right, so. my, meets, meets my card,
2: yep. put it in there. There we go. Yeah. Right? Yep. And, you so, know, the production side on the, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing of, of board and card games is the same kind of way. And then, you know, you're going to get those pieces, and you're going to have to make changes, and you're going to have to, you know, do that. But they're in the business to make money, right? And then logistics and shipping and all that. None of those people care, right? So trying to get your thing done on Gen Con time means nothing to China. A lot of people will uh, tell you that. Um, Yeah, and
0: and bear (laughs) in mind, when people talk about the boat from China, this is not a metaphorical boat. (laughs) Um, Shipping from China is a a genuine, honest-to-God uncertainty. Uh, because not only is the boat going to take a gigantic amount of time, there are only so many ports on the West Coast, and they have labor problems, mm. they have random technical difficulties. You cannot count on a- any timeline that's predicated on a book getting here from China is made of lies. That's right.
2: All of uh, We have an entire run of a card game sitting in the port in Seattle. Yep. And it's been there for a couple of days and We don't know when it's not going to be there. It's going to be shipped faster. I I hope it's very soon. Um, But again, so all of those things, uh, the more uh, all of the controls. You know, Emily was talking about that. You know, you have to plan for the worst on that side of it. um, If you haven't done this before, you need a guy. Find someone that can help you with that. Yep. Um, uh, And that guy shouldn't be the person on the other side. Don't expect your manufacturing partner to hold your hand through all of this. I mean, you might
0: eventually establish a great relationship with a printer or a great relationship with a shipper, and that's wonderful. And if you get there, great, but don't predicate your assumptions on that happening. Right.
1: The really nice thing with the gaming industry is that uh, it's really trivial to find people who have gone through this before. Like, Like the people that you consider awesome experts that are amazing, right? You can... DM them on Twitter And the next thing you know you got a screen full of this stuff Let me tell you how this sucks And
0: (laughs) And No, and I will assure it Because 15 years ago This was not true Yeah That's super true Yeah 15 years ago This was was all a dark art
1: Yeah, and if you wanted to get published Like you wanted your game published You had to write like a GURP supplement And get it through Steve Jackson games And God help you, Right uh, or you had to have a white wolf contract, and maybe they would have an offshoot to be able to print this. This is not true today. You, and literally, you can talk to any people that have actually successfully published a book. If you want to have hilarious stories, go hit Cam. He's wandering around. Cam, Cam Banks. Banks yep. Right. Who
0: has worked everywhere. Who has
1: worked everywhere. worked everywhere? Tell him about some of his. Ask him about his shipping and printing problems, and then an hour and a half later, ask him if you can get up and go to the bathroom because that's about how long it will take him for. Like basically, he'll just unload. And uh, but any. Anyway, Anybody who's actually done uh, any of this professional production work uh, will, uh, Fred Hicks will tell you, yep. um, <laughs> they'll all be happy, just thrilled to answer any of your questions of, dear God, how do I get this thing printed?
2: Yep. Which is right. a huge difference between us and anyone in the software industry. Yeah, the yes. On that side, it's I, I can't talk to you about it's that. It's a knife
0: fight. Yeah. So we did not really get a chance to talk about distro, uh, but that is a much easier topic to get information about. Uh, I'm going to answer the one question that I have been asked most frequently in this in this con. Um, no drive-through RPG is not the only place on the planet that you can sell PDFs. Um, there's a whole there are whole industries out there that are also getting into electronic publishing, um, and computers are big for this. Uh, the one place I would suggest anyone if anyone is feeling like they need to branch out, I suggest looking at Lean Pub. Um, they do electronic computer books, but they transfer across it. In fact, some of the books that are sold on LeanPub are sold on DriveThruRPG and vice versa. Um, they have a very interesting model. Um, this has come up, this topic has come up because of other things on the internet uh, that I'm not going to delve into, but I mentioned that it exists because I'm frequently asked. Um, do we have any wrap-up stuff? Because otherwise I think we need to start clearing the table for a... Uh... I, I, I just want to,
2: like, you guys touched a lot on the concepts and the, the process, but a lot of, there are a lot of Tools out there, so yes. lightning right. light, lightning round. What's your favorite tool for project management in like this uh, context? But my problem is, is because we do this in the in, in the real world. I actually use a, a thing called ServiceNow, which is too big for us.
1: To, <laughs> oh so God, doing trying, games for service through ServiceNow. <laughs> that's, that's literally why I'm mean,
2: <laughs> doing that. But um, I'm trying to think what the name of the uh, the oh, task the.
0: Trello. Trello is a great tool. Well, that totally steals mine. Yeah. (laughs) Use Trello. I was going
1: to say Trello.
3: Oh yeah. I I mean, I got a different one. Trello (laughs) is a great tool
0: for uh,
2: you know that doesn't cost that you can
3: actually use. Trello's
0: task management. Yeah. Trello
3: is
2: basically it's visual task. It's it's
0: an online kanban thing. It's the best one.
1: And you can get it on your phone so that you can walk around and actually have your trolling boards. That's how I do Dungeonomics, by the way, when people ping me all day long and they're like, "Like, why don't you write about this? And I'm like, I didn't think of that. On the troll board it goes. Uh, other tool off. that I use
2: a lot is called Toggle, <laughs> T-O-G-G-L. It's a timer tool. Um, and it lets you, you're talking about time timeboxing. Um, it, it, it's literally like a push push button so that you can actually, it doesn't allow you to forward schedule anything. Right. It's only this is the time I spent, or okay. I'm yeah. doing this now. Here's the task that I'm working on, and then I'm done. Nice. So that you can uh, it's just super important for people that are billing, but it's it's very nice from a control perspective. Okay. Like. Something that is not Trello.
3: Something that is not Trello. Um, I was going to say Asana. So this is another task management system. What's nice is that um, it it is free for individuals. uh, uh, So uh, you can use it to manage your game, manage your product, manage your life. Uh, It's just really lightweight, um, but it really gets down to the point of tracking a task from stage to stage all the way to production. Um, Also really helps with collaborators. So someone can have their own personal Asana. You can kind of mix projects that way. Definitely use it at work, but it's
0: really helpful um, in life. Asana, as well. A-S-A-N-A. yes. Yes, Asana is also awesome. I, I, it's a seal of approval. Um, I'm going to use, say, one that I don't use as much as I would like, and that is Git. Oh, God
1: damn it, Rob! <laughs>
0: all right, well, you do Git because you can actually speak to it more intelligently than I can. Um, so instead, I'm going to say Google Docs because uh, yes, we all use Google <laughs> Docs, but the fact that you can have multiple people in a document at the same time is the most powerful thing you can do when collaborating on an idea. So, so, tell us about Git. I we'll get, or should... Oh, I was just gonna say uh, I just switched from um, we were doing a whole project in Dropbox. That was yep. a mistake. Wow. Yeah, well, a drop Dropbox just added document collaboration, but I haven't tried it yet. So I yeah. uh, uh, and so switching uh, uh, to Google did, Docs though. Uh, and, and yep. uh, Google Docs has been I'm on the, the, other side of yep. the the
2: drop the new Dropbox stuff is yep. just Microsoft 365, so it's Google Docs without any yep. own, uh, issues back and forth between levels. Oh, nice.
0: All right, I love Dropbox.
2: Tell
1: us about Git. So my, my thing about my little sidebar about Google Docs is I just did a, a Katana's and Trenchcoat supplement with Ryan Macklin, and we had what had had be the funniest sidebar conversation going on Google Docs of all time, which is we were just slagging on old supernatural games, <laughs> and because I worked on a nominee for years, it got off the hook, so that was great. So you could have those sidebar conversations. Uh, so I really recommend that you look at Git and GitHub. Uh, Git is version control. It allows you to essentially track the different versions of all of your files. You can have collaborators. You can. It doesn't have to be public. It can be private. You can branch two different documents, and you can bring them together. Uh, it's in a process called GitFlow. It is you can primarily fork- use for software, but... <laughs> But if you do it in, it will also track text files. Uh, I like writing in a style called Markdown, which is just basically a format that allows you to put in all the formatting very quickly and easily without having to have a lot of heavyweight formatting. So you can go back and reformat it all later. Uh, I have tools I could suggest like the Atom Editor and Sublime Text that have plugins for Markdown so you can actually see it display as you write. It will automatically, if you do, use like Sublime Text to do all your writing, it will actually integrate with Git and check it in and check it out for you. It's a real easy way to collaborate with a big group of collaborators that are on your project. You should, uh, use it. It's free. All
0: right. So with that, we run. We <laughs> Thank, you Thank you, Thank you.